Oh, people of the world, episode 144 of Marketing as a Foreign Language. It's everything you've ever wanted in a show and more. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how you can get hacked on Facebook. Oh, I know. Everyone wants to talk about that. And by everyone, I mean absolutely no one. Twitter and baked beans. Apparently, there's a baked bean saga that you need to know a little more about. MMA is giving a lot of free fights putting these free fights out there. And I think it's interesting. We're going to dive into how you can give away free content and follow their lead. Athletes turn to LinkedIn. Once you've made all that money, where do you go? You go to LinkedIn. Pinterest settled a $22 million deal. Uh, we're going to kind of figure out what the plan is there and how that transpired. And last but not least, we will be talking a bit about the core update that came out from the Google machine. Ladies and gentlemen, show starts now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I think this is so funny. Um, this is from chronicleonline.com. If you want to uh, you know, check out the links for all the articles that we're reading, boom, in the description. So Mary Elaine Ebbets is the author of this one. And she writes, You may have heard about a friend's Facebook account having been hacked. However, it could never happen to you. Wrong. Wrong. It just happened to me. Recently, a friend asked me on Facebook if I had sent them a friend request. Why would I do that to someone who is already a friend, she writes. The answer is simple. I didn't. I was hacked. Done. 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 Of course, you can get hacked on Facebook. I just think it's so funny, the, like the drama that she's trying to put into something like this. Like, it could never, ever happen to you. And then it did happen to you. Uh, she continues. Recently, a friend asked me, blah, blah, blah. I immediately did several things. First, I changed my password, she writes. Then I posted the following statement. If you've received a friend request from me, do not click on it. She's been hacked. Got it. Then she posted a screenshot. Blah, blah, blah. She got hacked. So here's the thing. Uh, Two-factor authentication. It's super annoying. You've heard of it. You know what it is. You get that little bing on your phone and you have to do extra stuff. Who wants to do extra stuff? Nobody wants to do extra stuff. But this is a friendly reminder that uh, if you don't do extra stuff, pain, waves and waves of pain can happen to you. Nobody wants that. And so, you know, two-factor auth. There's your takeaway. Twitter and baked beans. You hear about this? I certainly didn't. Welcome to a new year. This is from thetakeout.com. Though it will still be many weeks and months until we begin returning to relative normalcy. Oh, please. Please let this year start off good. For me, it's starting off swimmingly. Uh, many people have expressed a sense of hope in 2021. I'm one of those people. The article continues. Uh, uh, the hope that this year will be an improvement over the year we left behind. Those hopeful people probably haven't wandered over to Twitter in recent days where the discourse has turned to the topic of baked beans, can openers, and best practices for raising children. And yes, those topics incite more ire than you'd think. We're going to dive into that, but before we do, um, a little sip of the tea. Mm. I highly recommend you drink tea. Singer and podcast host John Roderick posted a long Twitter thread on Saturday explaining how his nine-year-old daughter's inability to use a can opener became a teachable moment for him as a father. Over the course of 23 tweets, Roderick explains that he didn't want to simply show his daughter how 
to use the can opener, teach Amanda Fish and eat for a lifetime, blah, blah, blah. So instead, he laid down the terms, quote, sweetheart, neither of us will eat another bite today until we get into this can of beans. Ooh. Well, you are threatening starvation to a nine-year-old. So on its face, not thrilled with that. The nine-year-old is depicted in Roderick's story as increasingly frustrated and hungry, yet for what Roderick claims was six hours on and off. She was instructed by her father to keep at it until she figured out how to extract the beans. Quote, I'd been tempted many times along the way to guide her hand, reads one tweet in the thread. I wanted her to experience the magnificence of the can opener so much I couldn't stand the suspense. Ouch. So, just on its face, I would say, yeah, six hours is perhaps a little long to torture a nine-year-old, you know, with food deprivation. Just on its face. I mean, did she just eat? There are other questions I have. What is the personality of this nine-year-old, for example? Eventually, according to the article, the process clicked, and and the can relinquished its beans. Wow, she did it. Roderick concludes with a note about how proud he is of his daughter for not giving up, for carefully problem-solving until she gained a skill she didn't have before. So, obviously, this is going viral, and so you've got to ask yourself, this nine-year-old, when she's sitting on the therapist's couch in 10 years, uh, talking about the beans incident, if, um, if she'll be happy. Uh, back to the story. It's ostensibly a story not only about raising children, which no one will say is easy, but about the interest, interesting predicament of seeing everyday tools with fresh eyes, blah, 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 blah. Many users had an entirely different read on the situation. Yeah, threatening starvation is a little rough. Obviously, he's not threatening starvation, but we get it. Since yesterday, thousands of replies have rolled in. Educators who cautioned against Roderick's well-meaning but flawed teaching methods. Ooh, Child psychologists who noted that the baked beans incident might actually train the daughter not to seek help when she needs it that is interesting an interesting take and of course this being twitter lots of garden variety trolls calling roderick uh, an expletive or calling the roderick dissenters expletives so both sides you know really both both sides are getting it um in the face of the backlash roderick has remained unwavering in his defense of how we handle the situation insisting that six hours is not a long time to go without eating <laughs> and that any cries of mistreatment are vastly overblown oh me oh my what do you think? Hmm? You should leave a comment. Do you think that six hours is torture for a nine-year-old to confront the, uh, the incredibly difficult task of opening a can of baked beans? This also goes to show that if you are putting it out there, um, if you are being honest with folks about what's actually happening in your life, um, that these sorts of things tend to go viral, right? Um, the conflict, um, perhaps even internally, that Roderick and his daughter were experiencing are made manifest on Twitter. Follow-up question, of course. Is this a good thing? <laughs> I don't know, man. I really, I, I, I can't say for sure that this, uh, that this is a good thing, especially psychologically for this poor girl. Mm. After all, I mean, it's just beans, you know? It's not, uh, it's not like she's opening up a can of, like, unicorn giggles or something more, you know, perhaps in line with what a nine-year-old might actually want. It's beans. No, you know, like one nine-year-old is like, man, really want these beans. But uh, yeah, no eating without the beans. There you have it. So what would you have done? Would you have uh, done 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes? Not done at all. I'm curious. Leave a comment. 
Uh, mixed martial arts, um, free fights. This, of course, coming from the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Um, MMASucka.com is the article. So the Ultimate Fighting Championship is often credited with being the greatest stage for mixed martial arts. I would agree with that. Um, even though a lot of the ground fighting, let's be honest, is quite boring. Oh, but Kellen, that's because you don't understand the nuances of jujitsu. Yes, guilty. Um, but also, you know, sometimes it's boring. The organization operates with a dragon-esque avarice. Whoa. Hoarding its gold content away from free viewership. If you are too broke or casual to buy Fight Pass, the UFC is host for content and stand-up specials. Whoa. What? <laughs> what? Fight Pass does stand-up and fights? That's interesting. Then you have come to the right place. Don't say MMM sucka hasn't done anything for you as we list the best free UFC fights on YouTube. So <sighs> you have a paywall and you are giving away free content. This is every service business in existence, if you think about it. Like, if you're a plumber, it's a paywall, you know? So let's talk about giving away things for free for a second, shall we? Also, drink tea. Promo for tea. Um, okay, let's say something as simple as uh, an attorney. Um, pretty much every attorney does this. Free consultation. Come on down. You know, we'll talk to you for free. We'll give you an hour. Um, the problem with that is it definitely feels as though they're just going to sell you in that hour and they're not actually going to give you good legal advice. So that's a bit of an issue. Um, if you wanted to go above and beyond as an attorney, you could offer, um, like a free hour. Well, I guess that's, that's what they're doing. Maybe in addition to something like that, that's tricky. That's a tricky industry to kind of get away with that because people feel like it's just going to be a sales sales thing. Um, if you're a plumber, um, you could do free inspections. You could do things of that nature. Um, it's ob obviously expensive for service-based businesses. It's much easier for Fight Pass, which, you know, literally just has this content on the other side. Um, but the idea of giving away things for free is is important. Um, for my business, it's, it is tricky as well. We are, we are giving away free Spanish translation with the purchase of a website. That's the current deal. But again, you're buying a website, so it's not like we're running around giving away things for free. Um, and so I think with, um, fight pass and this sort of thing, hooking them, um, by reminding them that they like watching fights, uh, is part of it. But you know that there has been a group of people in a boardroom going, yeah, but they're just going to watch the free fights and then just move on. Um, and there obviously is going to be a large swath of, of the population that does just that. I am exactly that demographic. When I see a free fight on YouTube, I go, oh, okay, cool. I watch it and then I move on to the next thing. So um, it's really just a question of percentages. But as a strategy, um, if you have content, uh, video content, that sort of thing, I would agree entirely with this particular move. But it begs the question, what can you do in your business for free, perhaps, that you haven't thought of in the past to lure people in and to advertise and remind people of your product and or your service? So speaking of athletes, we've got athletes turning to LinkedIn. This from the New York Times. Jordan Teicher is the author in college. According to the article, Josh Martin struggled to answer the question that stumps plenty of students. What is next? Martin played football for Columbia from 2009 to 2012, but wasn't expecting his career to consist of tackles and sacks. He majored in anthropology and considered law school, but a student athlete advisor told him he didn't have the grades to get into a top program. Quote, I wasn't quite sure what I would do after school, Martin said. I didn't really have any career goals. This was an issue. I didn't have a sense of purpose. 
The advisor recommended that Martin and his teammates signed up for LinkedIn to start networking. So he joined using his football headshot as a profile picture. Well, that is rather interesting. However, before he had to enter the rat race, the NFL called with a job offer. In 2013, the Kansas City Chiefs hired Martin as an undrafted free agent. Since then, he's been employed as a linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New York Jets, and New Orleans Saints. So over the years, Martin occasionally returned to LinkedIn to make connections and pursue business ventures off the field, like endorsement deals. When the pandemic hit, pressing pause on pro sports, there suddenly was much more time to think about life after football. For example, Martin is interested in collaborating with wealth management firms to help fellow players prepare for their next career. So I think the takeaway here, obviously, is that um, you've got folks that are in wildly, um, are just like entertainment industry. I, I feel for the folks that work at Cirque du Soleil, for example. Um, there are people that have 20, 30, 40 years in a particular industry and then either the pandemic or an injury or something of that nature forces them into a new career. And we lived in the era of you can go to Indeed, you can go um, and just apply for jobs. However, if you were networking along the way and or you start networking after the fact, your resume in the right hands, especially in the world in which influencers and um, having been a name uh, matters, there are some connections that I think exist beyond the resume. So that's what we're talking about here, um, networking beyond a resume. So if you just go searching for a job, they might go, wow, you were a linebacker for the Buccaneers. That's incredible. Cool. You know, interesting. But you don't necessarily have the um, experience that we're looking for, that sort of thing. Now compare that to actively reaching out to wealth management companies and saying, hey, look, I've got 90,000 Twitter followers or whatever. Um, I was a pro athlete and uh, I think that we could work together. So it's really putting on your business owner hat, even if you are just a sole proprietor, looking at um, how you can connect and add value to businesses is a totally different vibe. And contrary to perhaps popular belief, perhaps not, um, pro athletes, um, uh, have to be very smart, very smart people, very dedicated, very motivated. Um, it's not easy, uh, to play pro football by any stretch of the imagination. You have to be smart. Um, and so I think using that noggin to connect with folks on LinkedIn is, is a, a pretty smart idea. Now, um, we could take a look at, um, just sort of an average Joe and someone that perhaps doesn't have that, um, those years and years of experience and apply it to them as well. So um, let's say you have someone like a Cirque performer um, and then they're going to, they have to make a switch. Uh, LinkedIn is also a good place to, um, to network um, and to try to find something that is ancillary to the work that you did before. Um, there are a lot of live performances that are happening on streaming right now. You could connect with different streaming companies. Um, LinkedIn is just a marvelous platform. That, that's basically my takeaway here is, is don't underestimate the power of LinkedIn, um, especially on the job hunt. Don't just look at resumes. Um, there is a, an entire world open to you on that platform. And you might want to do live streams on LinkedIn. Good way to connect with folks. 
Pinterest's $22 million settlement, this one from TheGuardian.com, Pinterest announced this week it would pay more than $20 million to settle a gender discrimination lawsuit brought by a female executive, but to two black former employees who had previously lodged similar complaints, the settlement represents a slap in the face. So Ifioma Ozoma and Arika Shimisu Banks had become pub public excuse me, figureheads for Pinterest after spearheading widely heralded policy changes, including adding fact-checking features to vaccination content that predated those from tech rivals like YouTube and Facebook. I'm telling you, Facebook is, a, excuse me, Pinterest is, it is an impressive company. But internally, both former employees said they faced pushback in June, June of 2020 after quitting their jobs at Pinterest's policy team they went public with claims they had to fight to be paid fairly and were retaliated against for ad advocating for change. Azoma also said the company failed to protect her when a colleague shared her personal information with hate sites. Yikes. Azoma and Banks ended up leaving the company with half a year of severance pay. That is not a lot of money. But their public comments laid the groundwork for other women and people of color at the company to come forward with similar experiences two months after their departure the former pinterest coo francois bruyere sued the company for gender discrimination the case that resulted in the 22 million dollars i don't have the details okay so i don't know the difference between ozama and bank's complaint and the ceo coo's complaint the coo obviously is a highly ranked official within pinterest i get it but man, that doesn't look doesn't look good on its face. So the senior campaign director Jade Magnus Oguneki uh, at Civil Rights Advocacy Organization Color of Change. The settlement is the latest example of a Silicon Valley company displaying inequitable treatment of its black employees. "Quote: It must not go unnoticed that Pinterest still has failed to do to so much as offer an apology." or course of action for accountability to Ifioma and Erica, two black women whose bravery to speak out sparked a public examination to the company's toxic work culture that likely influenced this week's settlement. Yeah, if I'm uh, Ifioma and Erica, I am livid. Banks said that, I mean, $22 million. Think about that. Banks said she and Azoma decided to come forward in June Um because Pinterest, like many companies this year, made public statements to support uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. So, obviously, a deep dive into this is um, is necessary. On its face, you have a COO who ostensibly is white, this Francois Bruyere, um, $22 million, and uh, two women of color getting like half of whatever of severance pay. So not a good look for Pinterest. Um, obviously, a deep dive is required to understand the nuances of exactly what's going on here, but not a good look. Last but not least, we've got the Google December update for my marketing nerds, for my SEO nerds. Five search marketers contributed opinions uh, on Google's December 2020 core update. That's from theguardian.com. Observations offering interesting feedback on what may have happened. Blah, 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 blah. So let us find their uh Opinions. 
So this uh, December 2020 core update was a unique one to watch roll out. Oh, thanks, Dave. Very helpful. Many sites we work with started with losses and ended with wins and vice versa. <laughs> How to say nothing in a sentence. So clearly it had something to do with a signal or signals that cascade. Okay. That is where the change caused one result. Uh, but once that new calculation worked its way through the system, it produced another. Yeah. So um, the changes, I think, um, in 2020 and beyond, um, aren't, they're not going to look like boom and done there's going to be waves and waves and waves of changes so if you are the owner of a website and you see a fluctuation in rankings it comes in waves there's just no way no other way to look at it um this cascading um of changes um is a great way of putting it so page rank recalculates and that that has an effect on like say the social media score and it's all very very fluid so alternatively, Google may have made adjustments on the fly. I don't think they did or made other changes during the rollout. I, he says he finds it less likely. I agree with him. I don't think that's the case. So general community reaction. This one has been difficult to gauge, quote, as one can expect in any zero-sum scenario when one person is complaining about a loss and another is smiling all the way up the search engine results page. Again, I mean, the big push in 2021 is streaming. It's crazy. How many people are streaming? It's incredible to me. Um, simulcasting is a big deal. So you want to be on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. Um, you want to make sure that your YouTube live stream, um, that once it goes to the actual video that you're promoting the video, you may want to look into YouTube ads um, as a way to promote YouTube content once you've already created it. And then if you do have a show getting guests on the show, as you've all seen recently, um, I've been having more guests on. Those folks will help promote the show um, as well as create pretty interesting content. So let's see one. Let's get one more example of uh, someone who thinks about this, what their thoughts are on this. Um, so Daniel believes that it's helpful to step back and view Google updates from the big picture view of the forest rather than the trees and put the updates into context of what we know is going on in search. One example is the parent drop in report of manual actions. The implication is, does that mean Google is better at ranking sites where they belong without having to resort to punitive manual actions? Okay, so in Google Search Console, if you have that on your website, there is a uh, little tab on the left-hand side that says manual penalties. I never, ever, ever, ever see manual penalties. It is very, very rare that it'll come in. Um, you've pretty much done something wrong. Um, we had a hack on the Send it Rising site not too long ago where it did show up and say, hey, you're, you're just trying to do something misleading to viewers. Um, but it was just a small hack. We cleaned it up. Um, that is far more likely that your website will get hacked and that you will have to do something um, to clean that up. Um, but manual penalties are pretty rare. Um, so is Google getting better at ranking sites where they belong? Of course they are. Um, there's just, there's no one in the space that even comes close. So ladies and gentlemen, um, before we summarize, just a reminder, if you can't join us for the live show, 1030 AM Pacific standard time, um, why don't you go ahead and listen to us on Spotify or iTunes, or you can watch us right here on the YouTube machine. Um, we got Esther quick comment. She says, you're off to a great start. I look forward to what you bring in 2021. We wish you and your family a very happy, healthy new year. You, Esther, right back at you. My co-host, Esther Sass, ladies and gentlemen. Sass Insurance. You want to go over there and get your insurance? From Esther, greatest insurance agent in the world. Um, yeah, so uh, 
podcast, YouTube, you get it. Let's summarize the events of today. There was a Facebook ha hack. Um, you can get hacked. Consider uh, two-step authentication. Twitter and baked beans. Um, I wouldn't have my daughter spend an egregious amount of time with a can of baked beans. Would you? Leave a comment. MMA is offering free fights online. It's smart. Good marketing. Um, tons of people are not going to pay for it, but I think it's probably in their best interest to do this. Athletes turn to LinkedIn, and you can too. Um, don't forget about that platform, especially if you're on the job search. Pinterest, $22 million settlement. Um, not a good look for Pinterest. COO getting a complete golden... Uh, it's, it's not a golden parachute because it's a settlement for discrimination, so that is not, that's not fair to say, but that is an absurd sum of money. An absolutely life-changing, absurd amount of money, and uh, for the two women of color to receive like half of whatever in severance is, uh, is a slap in the face. Google December update. Look, I hate to say it, but uh, you got to do video. You got to find a way to get into video. Your Google Maps listing has to be absolutely on point if you have a retail outlet, and then you just got to find a way to kill it with Google Ads and Facebook Ads. This is uh, predominantly the, the marketing strategy for 2021. And then obviously TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, they aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for singing on by. Um, if I didn't know better, I would say it's time for an outro. See you next time.